0: Section twenty of Stories from the Operas by Gladys Davidson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Meyerbeer. The Huguenots. Les Huguenots. Towards the close of an August day in the year fifteen seventy-two. A festive scene was taking place in the castle de Nevers, in the fair land of Touraine, for the young Count de Nevers, a Catholic nobleman of great wealth and vast estates, was entertaining his friends at a magnificent banquet set out with all the luxurious extravagance customary to his high position. All the gentlemen present were Catholics, and so, when de nevers presently announced that he had invited a young huguenot gentleman one sir raoul de langis to join them at the board they were at first filled with surprise and displeasure but upon their host assuring them that his new friend was of noble blood and had been received well at court they were somewhat mollified and awaited his arrival with eager expectation intending to exercise their wit at his expense for the feuds between the Huguenots and the Catholic parties in France at this time had now reached the culminating point when an outburst between the two factions was daily looked for. Consequently, when Raoul de Nangis was at length announced, he was received by the guests at first with suspicion, changing gradually to easy tolerance, for his handsome appearance and noble air dispelled the contempt usually expressed for those of the new faith and seeing that he wore a somewhat pensive look they presently began to rally him on his abstraction declaring that he must be in love and thinking of his fair lady raoul being of a frank and sunny nature readily fell in with their mood and admitted that they had indeed guessed the truth and upon being pressed further he told them the story of his first meeting with his lady love which had happened only that very morning during his rambles through the town he had observed a sedan-chair in which was seated a very beautiful young girl and which was at the moment surrounded by a group of hilarious students who were annoying its fair occupant and alarming her with their vulgar attentions and full of indignation he had drawn his sword and rushed amongst the importunate loiterers quickly scattering them then when the lady he had thus saved from annoyance had poured her grateful thanks upon him he had been so enthralled by her witching smiles and sweet beauty that he had fallen desperately in love with her at first sight and now declared that she was the lady of his heart for ever as this pretty story came to an end the entrance of raoul's old Huguenot servant marcello created a diversion for his odd appearance quaint dress and severe puritanical manners made him a ready butt for the wit of the gay cavaliers in whose company he now found himself very much against his will he could not refrain from expressing his disapproval of this frivolous scene and upbraided his young master for sharing in what his strict notions compelled him to consider sinful pleasures afraid that marcello's severe remarks would offend the proud catholic nobles raoul apologized for his outspoken manner and craved their indulgence since marcello was an old and faithful retainer of his family and had been accustomed to many privileges not usually extended to serving men but the merry guests declared that the old men amused them greatly and they only treated his censure with laughing derision whilst this slight diversion was taking place a lady closely veiled was seen to enter the grounds following a servant who conducted her to an arbour within view of the banquet hall and presently the attendant entered to announce that the veiled lady desired an immediate interview in private with the count de nevers the bantering now fell to the share of the young host his guest declaring that he must indeed be fascinating since his fair conquests even called him away from his feasts and when de nevers had excused himself and departed to his interview they all crowded to the window dragging raoul with them in order to catch a glimpse of the mysterious fair one as de nangis looked carelessly towards the arbour a lady removed a portion of her veil as she addressed and to his surprise and grief the young huguenot recognised the beautiful face of the lady he had assisted in the morning and by whom his heart had immediately been taken captive Full of sorrow and disappointment at thus discovering his lady-love-to-be, as he now naturally supposed from this incident, the mistress of de Nevers, Raoul uttered an exclamation of anger, and would have rushed out into the grounds to interrupt the interview, but was laughingly held back by the lively guests, and shortly afterwards de Nevers returned to the room, wearing a now weary and somewhat preoccupied air for the mysterious lady whom he had just interviewed, and whom Raoul had so sadly recognized, had proved to be his own fiancée Valentina, the beautiful daughter of the Count de Saint-Brie, governor of the Louvre, and one of the principal leaders of the Catholic party, and the object of her visit had been to implore de Nevers to relinquish her hand, since she did not love him, and was only being coerced into the union by the will of her ambitious father when de nevers returned to the banquet hall he was instantly surrounded by the laughing guests who showered eager questions upon him as to the identity of the veiled lady but at this moment there came another interruption in the person of urbano one of queen marguerite's pages who announced that he was the bearer of a letter from his royal mistress to sir raoul de full of amazement raoul broke open the missive and found that it contained a command from the young queen to attend her court that evening before sunset and added that a carriage would be waiting for him at a certain time to conduct him to his destination surprised that the young stranger whom they had been inclined to treat somewhat disdainfully was thus about to be so greatly honoured the fickle guests now began to pour enthusiastic congratulations upon Raoul and to treat him with marked respect and so for the remainder of the banquet the young huguenot found himself the centre of attraction meanwhile queen marguerite of navarre with her maids of honour was awaiting in the grounds of the castle de chenonceau the return of valentina whom she intended to use as the means of uniting the antagonistic catholic and huguenot parties having formed the plan of wedding this fair daughter of the catholic leader the count de Brie, to the handsome huguenot noble sir raoul de N'Angers. and for this purpose she had persuaded valentina to visit her fiancé in secret and beg him to release her hand valentina had been willing enough to fall in with this plan for she had already become deeply attached to raoul whom she had quickly identified with the gallant cavalier who had saved her from the annoyance of the students only that very morning and when on her return from her painful mission she informed the queen that de nevers had promised to relinquish her hand she was filled with joy mingled with shyness on being told that de nangis was expected almost immediately and that her betrothal to him would soon afterwards be announced before the whole court her father having been persuaded by queen marguerite to renounce the more ambitious match he had arranged for her and to consent to this betrothal as a step towards reconciling the two religious parties whilst they were talking together raoul arrived and was conducted immediately into the presence of the queen and as greetings and courtly speeches were being exchanged valentina timidly crept away into the background then queen marguerite explained to the young her reason for desiring his presence, and the marriage she had arranged for him, and Raoul, no longer caring to have any choice in such a matter, since the one upon whom he had fixed his affections had proved to be unworthy, as he supposed, gave his consent readily enough. Very soon afterwards, the Count de saint Pri and the other lords of the court appeared on the scene, the Catholic lords ranging themselves in a group on one side of the Queen, and the Huguenots on the other all had been made aware of the matter in hand and so when queen marguerite desired the two parties to vow friendship and peace with one another they took the oath without demur. then at a sign from the queen Saint sampry led his beautiful young daughter forward to present her in betrothal to the young huguenot noble but raoul drew back with a loud exclamation of repugnance as he now beheld his offered bride-to-be none other than she whom he believed to be the mistress of de nevers and he declared passionately that he would not wed with one so perfidious. the queen and her courtiers were amazed and indignant at this unexpected outburst and valentina was filled with despair for she already loved de nangis and had hoped that her affection was returned but Raoul, still believing her to be base, again declared that he would not bring disgrace upon his ancient name by wedding with one so unworthy, and with these words departed, leaving the company in a state of great confusion. Soon after these events, the whole court removed to Paris, where the Catholic plot for a general massacre of the Huguenots was quickly coming to a head, and the Count de Saint-Brie, who had only sworn friendship with the Huguenots to please Queen Marguerite, Now lost no time in reopening negotiations for his daughter's marriage with the Catholic noble de Nevers, after having first of all sent a challenge to Raoul de Nangis for satisfaction of the insult that had been put upon his name. On the appointed day of the wedding, Valentina, who had broken-heartedly obeyed her father's wishes, entreated to be left alone in a little chapel situated on the banks of the Seine until evening, that she might spend the time in prayer and meditation and, in accordance with her wish, she was left in the sacred building until twilight had set in. Shortly after dusk, de Nevers arrived of the scene with Sambri and other lords to claim his bride, but ere they entered the chapel, however, the old Huguenot retainer, Marcello, suddenly appeared and handed a note from his master to saint brie in which Raoul accepted his challenge and appointed a meeting for that night. When Marcello was out of hearing, one of the lords present suggested a plot to st brie whereby they could surround and assassinate the young huguenot without risk to their own lives and having arranged this they retired to await his arrival now though they knew it not valentina through the open door of the chapel had heard the whole plot and when they had gone she crept from the building with trembling steps hoping that she might find some means of warning Raoul who in spite of his strange treatment of her she still loved and would willingly save from such a peril at that moment old marcello came by again and recognizing him as de Nangie's servant valentina intercepted him and telling him of the proposed plot besought him to devise some means of saving his master's life marcello full of alarm rushed off at once to seek help and in a short time he returned having arranged with a party of huguenot soldiers who were supping at a tavern close by to come to his master's assistance at the first sound of strife valentina then returned to the chapel and shortly afterwards raoul and st brie with their seconds appeared at the appointed place on the banks of the seine and the arrangements for the duel were made in accordance with the customary etiquette ere the duel had begun however a band of the catholic followers of maurevere suddenly surrounded raoul and in another moment he would have been slain but for the prompt arrival of the huguenot soldiers who dashed boldly amidst the assassins with drawn swords the two parties now began to fight but the combat was soon interrupted by the approach of queen marguerite and her escort returning to the palace with an imperious gesture The young queen bade the combatants cease and inquired the cause of the strife, and when Raoul's story was hotly contradicted by Sambri, old Marcello came forward and verified his master's version, declaring that the warning of treachery had come from the lady, who was even then issuing from the chapel. Valentina, indeed, at that moment came forth, overcome with anxiety for her lover's safety, yet full of fear at being discovered interfering on his behalf. All were amazed at her appearance, and Raoul, who had not been able to quell his love for her, for all that he had spurned her, was bewildered at hearing that she had been the means of saving his life, and, doubtful now of his former suspicions, asked how she had come to be seen by him at the house of de Nevers that fatal evening. Queen Marguerite answered for the agitated girl, saying that Valentina had gone at her own request to de Nevers to implore him to renounce her hand, and when Raoul thus knew that Valentina's motive had been a pure and honourable one, and not as he had so jealously imagined, for an unworthy reason he was filled with joy. But his joy was quickly turned to grief once more, on learning that Valentina was about to become the bride of another, and at that moment Dunangy appeared in a splendid barge in which he was to carry away his bride-elect as de nevers landed st brie presented his daughter to him with pride throwing a triumphant glance toward the wretched de nangis and full of elation the young catholic noble led his beautiful though now half fainting fiancée to the barge in which they were conducted to his mansion where their nuptials were celebrated that same evening raoul was now plunged into despair at having thus lost the maiden he loved so well and for several days was almost beside himself with grief, and at last, unable to bear his misery any longer, on the fatal eve of St. Bartholomew, he determined to make an effort to see Valentina once more, even at the risk of his own life. Quite unsuspicious of the terrible fate that was to fall on those of his faith that night, the young Huguenot repaired to the mansion of de Nevers, and managed to make his way, unperceived, into the very room in which valentina sat lost in meditation for she was at the moment bemoaning her sad fate at having been compelled to wed a man she did not love when her heart was given to another as raoul broke in upon these sad reflections she was filled with dismay but scarcely had she exchanged greetings with her distracted lover then she heard the approaching voices of her father and husband and knew that the discovery of de alone with her at that hour would mean danger to him and disgrace to herself in frightened tones she besought him to fly whilst he yet had time But Raoul declared that he cared not for danger and would gladly welcome death since she was lost to him valentina however entreated him not to be so rash since his safety was dear to her and then finding that the approaching voices were drawing nearer and that there was no longer time for him to escape she thrust him behind a heavy curtain bidding him by their love to remain in hiding until the danger was past. almost immediately afterwards de nevers st brie and a number of other catholic lords entered the room and proceeded to hold a conference and when they were all assembled sambri unfolded to them the dreadful plot of the catholic king charles the ninth whereby at the tolling of a bell that night the huguenots one and all irrespective of age sex or position were to be massacred without mercy he next administered an oath bidding them swear as good catholics to assist in this terrible work and to show no mercy all took the oath except de nevers who being of a noble disposition Indignantly refused to disgrace his ancient name by joining in such a murderous enterprise, but in order to convince the now suspicious lords that he should not betray their plot, even though he would not share in it, he threw his sword at their feet and stood disarmed before them all. Sambry then gave his final instructions, bidding the conspirators to disperse in various directions and await the tolling of the bell, which should be the signal for commencing the carnage and after tying white scarves round their arms in order to distinguish themselves from their intended victims the party left the room and departed on their awful mission leaving the trembling valentina alone no sooner had they gone than raoul sprang from his hiding-place pale and filled with horror at the terrible plot that had unknown to the assassins been revealed to him and hoping yet to be in time to warn his brother rigonot of the calamity about to fall on them he would have instantly rushed from the house had not valentina held him back wildly imploring him not to venture into the streets that night for since she now loved him with her whole heart his life was too precious for her to bear the thought of his almost certain death should he take such a risk even in this moment of confusion and danger raoul's heart thrilled with a deep joy at thus learning that his love was returned and he clasped valentina in his arms in a passionate embrace but in spite of this double temptation to remain his noble nature asserted itself and upon hearing the sudden clanging of a deep bell which he knew to be the signal for the Egonos' doom He struggled from the tender restraining arms of the now swooning Valentina, as she tried vainly to hold him back, and dashed from the house. The massacre had already begun, and the streets of Paris were even now running with the innocent blood of the murdered Higoneau, whilst the night was made hideous with the shrieks of the helpless victims, and the triumphant cries of those who, in such mistaken zeal, were thus carrying out the dreadful instructions that had been given to them. As Raoul filled with horror at the awful scenes of carnage that met his eyes on every side, hastened through the streets in the vain hope that he might yet be in time to save some of his doomed brethren of the faith, he stumbled against a wounded man, and to his joy he found that this was none other than his own faithful old body-servant, Marcello. Equally glad at thus meeting with his beloved master, whom he had never expected to see again alive, Marcello described the terrible scenes that had already taken place, adding that they could now do nothing to help their Huguenot friends, since it was impossible to stem the fury of their remorseless foes, and that they themselves must also be prepared to meet death, since they could not hope to escape. Whilst they were still standing together, they were overtaken by Valentina who, on recovering from her swoon, had followed Raoul with frantic haste, hoping that she might even yet be able to save him from his enemies, and she now held out towards him a white scarf she had brought, beseeching him to allow her to fasten it round his arm, that he might then be taken for a Catholic, and so be safe from harm in the streets. Adding that if he would proceed with her to the Louvre, and abjure his unfortunate faith, he would receive a free pardon. To strengthen her entreaty, she added that if he would fall in with her plan, when peace had afterwards been restored, they could be wed and be happy together yet, for Marcelo had just related to them how his own life had been saved by the brave conduct of the Count de Nevers, who, by endeavouring to protect the old Huguenot from the hand of the Catholics, had himself been slain. But Raoul, though now terribly tempted by this alluring picture of safety and happiness was too noble to save himself by denying the religion for which his companions in the faith were still sacrificing their lives and refusing the white scarf he declared that he would remain with marcello and await his fate when valentina saw that he was thus resolved she threw herself into his arms declaring that she would die with him as a huguenot also since without him she cared no longer to live and then hand in hand they knelt together in the street and old marcello uttered a prayer of blessing as the consecration of their love and devotion whilst they thus prayed together a party of catholic musketeers surrounded them and eager for more victims demanded if they were of the true faith or not and without a moment's hesitation raoul replied that they were The musketeers instantly fired a volley upon the little group, and all three fell to the ground, mortally wounded. The Count de saint brie was at the head of this company, and upon approaching the fallen victims, he was filled with horror at discovering that he had fired upon his own beloved daughter. On hearing his exclamation of grief, the dying Valentina opened her eyes once more, and weakly murmured a few words of forgiveness and then falling back she expired in the arms of her dead huguenot lover end of section twenty